Back chat. Back chat. Back chat. Back chat. Back chat. Politics and current affairs. Back chat. Back chat. Back chat. Your alternative to talk back. Proudly supported by the Judith Nielsen Institute. It's Saturday, May 1st, and you're listening to Back Chat, where we break down the news you don't want to miss. Before we begin today, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the Gadigal land and pay our respects to elders past and present. I'm Chantelle Alcori. And I'm Tanita Rizagi. Coming up on the show today, we're talking about Olympians getting the COVID vax early and a protest in the middle of the Central Coast Ocean. But first, we're talking to pro surfer Lucy Small, who called out organisers of a Sydney surfing competition for offering unequal prize money. And as always, we want to hear from you. Text us in on 0409 945 945 or tweet us at Backchat FBI. It is absolutely laughable. The woman's off her tree. Backchat, your alternative to talk back. Coming first in a sporting competition at a pro level must be such an amazing feeling. And I wouldn't know, but I'm sure it justifies all the time and hard work you've spent in getting to a point where you're recognised as being the best of the best. But for many female athletes, first place can feel like a runner-up when prizes are significantly bigger for male competitors. Pro surfer and journalist Lucy Small won a professional surfing competition last weekend, only to discover right before the awards ceremony that the women's prize money was significantly less than half of the men's. In a video that has since gone viral, she has called out the organisers of the Curly Mal Jam and ignited a discussion around women in surfing. Lucy, thanks so much for joining us. It sounds like you've had such a hectic week, I could not imagine. Can you just describe to us how everything's exploded, especially after your speech, speech at the Curl Curl Mal Jam? Um, yeah, so I um, had the event last Saturday and then a few days later, I, following, I was kind of, um, yeah, talking about what had happened and then I put up the video um, on Tuesday and, yeah, it started to, a few different media publications picked up on it and then the Sydney Morning Herald contacted me and then on Thursday I was on the front cover of the Sydney Morning Herald and my phone just started exploding. Um, It's been, like, the most crazy, intense week of my entire life. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, and you've announced that you're working with the club, though, to, to make it fairer for next year's competition. What do you think that will look like? Yeah, so they've um, come out and they've, they've agreed now that in the future the prize money will be um, equal in all of their events. And they've been working with Surfing New South Wales, which is the state governing body um, of, of these surfing events, to, um, to, to have or they've written into the Surfing Australia rules that um, all affiliated events in the future will have um, equal prize money so that hopefully means that we can have like long-term um, change in this regard and they um, and I would also say any of any events that any contest or that are not affiliated with surfing Australia I would hope that this week in the media has kind of put them on notice to um, to follow suit and and make sure that women athletes are recognized in, in the way that we we should be um, so yeah I'm looking forward to that. I'm sure that's such an amazing feeling to get that outcome. What does it feel like for you right now? Um, it feels like I'm really glad that this has happened. I'm really, I'm, I'm really happy that we've managed to turn this into something positive and it hasn't just been a, like a situation of me kind of throwing shade on this, this small club and rather that we're actually able to hopefully do something that's meaningful. Um, and I really hope that... Um, it seems to be like from all of the people that have contacted me from all over the world to say thank you, um, 
you guys are awesome. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, it really feels like we are, like, we're ready for things to change. And this is a convers- important conversation to start. And um, it's really just it's a small part of what is hopefully going to be the ongoing um, shift in our ideas and, and our attitudes towards women athletes and um, across all sports, not just surfing, that women, we deserve to be in sport. We Men don't own sport. <laughs> um, we don't deserve less just for being women. And so um, hopefully that, yeah, that that, that can um, continue to be um, and continue to be a conversation we have and um, that people and uh, women are, maybe brave enough to speak out and men everyone (laughs) everyone can be brave enough to speak out i hope yeah and the world surf league equalized men and women's prize pools back in 2019 why has it taken so long for community comms here to follow their example yeah i think like i guess that is again it's like sort of um entrenched um cultural ideas of like how we receive and our attitudes towards women athletes i think it's really normalized for women to um, sort of not be recognised or considered as legitimate um, elite athletes. Like, you look at, at other sports like the, the AFL and that kind of thing, where, and the cricket, where, like, the women, um, the way that they are dealt with in these um, in those kind of sports, it's, like, it's so much smaller. The coverage is so much less. The kind of recognition, the money, everything, the sponsorship is all so much less. And that's really normalised. It's really, like, made to seem like that's okay. Um, but it's not because it is it's the same effort, it's the same training, it's the same everything, um, but the only difference is gender. So um, I think that they're in down at, like at a community level, those attitudes are still really quite embedded in, um, in the way that we're dealing with women athletes. So I hope that now um, this small little change can sort of start to, to change that conversation um, in, a, in a bigger way. You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5. If you've just joined us, we're talking to local pro surfer Lucy Small about pay inequality in prize competitions. So, Lucy, you've surfed professionally several times on the international touring circuit. What are some of the things that you've seen that are hurting female surfers? Yeah, I think, like, there's there's a lot of stuff, a lot of things that, um, that are, like, the prize money issue is a really concrete way to kind of measure the inequality because you can see it on a check. But there's things like having women in the governing bodies and and, and, um, in judging panels and in the media and, um, you know, in the commentary booth. Like, if you look at the World Surf League at the moment have their their Australian events going on and they don't have a woman in the booth in the commentary team. So that's like, that's just telling, that's just, again, sending that message that women are not, um, they're not like they're, I don't know they they can't commentate on sport or whatever whatever it is um, and I think that creates the an environment that feels like maybe we we're not we don't belong and um, so I, these are all things that we need to continually work on changing because we do belong <laughs> um, so yes yeah, it's that kind of thing. Last year, Laura McCauley became the first woman to surf the right in Western Australia. It's this huge, large wave that's been dubbed the Everest of the South Coast. Do you think women are being pushed away from certain styles of surfing like big waves? Um, yeah, that was like a really amazing achievement by Laura. Um, that wave's actually in my hometown, so <laughs> very happy that she um, really inspired by her. Um, I think like that kind of thing is, it's again, like, 
the way that we think about women and doing like physically challenging thing, challenging things, um, is maybe it's it still needs work, I guess. And I think like a lot of the a lot of um, culture promotes like this real hyper masculinity, which um, is not is is can be really detrimental to like encouraging women to to push themselves and to get out there into ways like the right. Um, like I grew up there in that place and I, I know many people that surf that way quite often and I would never have thought that I would be able to ever surf it until I saw Laura McCauley do it. So um, it's, it is, yeah, like I think bit by bit by bit as we see women kind of take on these these challenges and, and um, yeah, pioneer a path for, for us to follow and um, that's hopefully... Uh, it will be, I don't know, maybe there's going to be many women at the right soon. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Lucy. Thank you so much for having me. That was professional surfer and journalist Lucy Small speaking about the the unequal opportunities female surfers have to navigate, even at a professional level. And don't go anywhere because up next we're heading to the Central Coast for last week's paddle-out protest against Pep 11. But first, a song. We're keeping it local. This is released last year um, from Sydney hip-hop artist Jeff is Fine, A Seafarer's Way. Back chat. Text 0409-945-945. A couple of months ago, we brought you a story of the hugely, hugely controversial plans to extend the PEP 11 licence for gas drilling off the East Coast. We shared the history of PEP 11, the activists and community members fighting to stop it, and concerns around the companies trying to drill in our oceans. Now, amidst the string of protests up and down the coast, we've got an update. Backtrack producer Eamon Snow went to last Saturday's rally at Terrigal on the Central Coast to see what impact people power could really have on issues like PEP 11. It's usually an idyllic playground for the Central Coast community and holidaymakers alike. But last Saturday, the haven at Terrigal was packed full of keen protesters. They were gathered under beautiful blue skies to stand against the proposed extension of the super controversial Petroleum Exploration Permit 11, or PEP 11. PEP 11 is a fossil fuel exploration permit for a 4,500 square kilometre chunk of ocean that stretches from Sydney's northern beaches right up to Port Stephens. Two companies, Asset Energy and Bounty Oil and Gas, have been gunning to have this permit extended so that they can drill for gas and potentially oil off the east coast. The Central Coast would be most impacted by any activity offshore as part of PEP 11. And on Saturday, hundreds of locals lined the sand to hear impassioned speeches from pro-surfers, student activists, campaign leaders and more, all of them offering one clear message. definitely do not want this PEP 11 project going on down here. Our community is pretty strong down here and we don't need that at all. So we're here today to really deny 
that motion. We really do not want gas off our coast. It's really important that we protect our beach lifestyle, our wildlife and our community. We have the opportunity to prevent something that could be so detrimental to our coast and the future of our coastline and it was great to see such a turnout and the community really rally together and something that means so much to everyone. The final call on Pep 11's future has been left to a joint decision between New South Wales Deputy Premier John Barillaro and Federal Resources Minister Keith Pitt. Back in February, Barillaro told the Federal Government that the New South Wales Government won't be supporting the extension of Pep 11. This came just weeks after Federal Opposition Leader Anthony Albanese had visited Terrigal to announce that Labor was against the project. The morning of that announcement, just hours before Albanese was due to front the media at Terrigal, local federal member Lucy Wicks became the final MP on the relevant stretch of coastline to publicly declare her opposition to PEP 11. Until that point, Lucy Wicks' position on PEP 11 had been pretty unclear, and the timing of her announcement led many to see it all as a case of politicians just playing politics. Last Saturday, politicians from across the spectrum were also at the protests, with Lucy Wicks now posing for photos with surfboards, taking interviews and giving the strongest indication yet that people power might just be prevailing here. Which is some incredible news. I've just been told by Lucy Wicks that Scott Morrison is announcing that under a Morrison government, PEP 11 will not be going ahead. It's now looking like the federal government isn't prepared to lose votes over PEP 11, especially in marginal bellwether seats like Lucy Wicks's. Though some who attended Saturday's rally were a little confused by this new proud declaration from the Morrison government, considering it's had years to quash its extension. Well, this was folly that it ever got this far in the first place. Uh, PEP 11 should never have been identified as a potential drilling site. Uh, it was always the wrong place, and, and the longer you look at it, the worse it gets. Now, it should never have happened, shouldn't have got this far, it just needs to be shut down now. Buoyed by the news that PEP 11 might soon be history, the crowd took to the water for the paddle out. An army of protesters wielding surfboards, kayaks, canoes, and even a mock offshore drilling rig streamed into the ocean and paddled a short distance before forming a huge circle. Paddleouts date back to the early 20th century and are a powerful cultural tradition aimed at bringing people together in the ocean, either for memorial or for protest. Once everyone was back on shore, emotions ran high as National Campaign Director with Surfrider Foundation Damien Cole reflected on the good news and the community support for the campaign to stop PEP 11. Yeah, it's huge. You know, we... We work. We worked really hard on this, and um, yeah, when you get some good news, we do, we don't always get the wins. It's a really tough. It's a tough fight being in the conservation game and looking after this big, beautiful planet of ours. And as I said, we don't always get the wins. So when you get some good news, it really um, it's personal, you know, because we're you know the the I've got a vested interest in this, and the vested interest is the future for me and and for my unborn children and. For their children as well, so it means a lot, yeah. Drew McPherson from Save Our Coast was similarly stoked with how the day had unfolded. Today was an incredible day. It's the biggest turnout we've ever had in an event. Um, this campaign started three years ago with just a handful of 
people in a room in Newcastle trying to figure out how we're going to stop this. And to see today, to look out and see this many people at the beach was just incredible. That was such a proud moment. And um, I think it just sets a precedent for the future, you know, like it's 2021 and no longer will the community let the fossil fuel industry dictate our future. It's been a long road, but the fight to stop Pep 11 looks to finally be approaching its end in an example of people power that we shouldn't be forgetting anytime soon. That was Backchat producer Eamon Snow's report on last week's paddle out protest against the controversial Pep 11 project. That one was on the Central Coast, but if you're Newcastle-based, there's another one happening today at 11am on Nobby's Beach. Stay tuned, because up next we're talking about the group who have managed to skip the queue for the COVID vaccines, despite not quite fitting the bill. And we want to hear from you. What do you think about Aussie Olympians getting the vaccine before you? Text us in on 0409 945 945. But first, we're going to take it to a song. This one is from the recently formed duo Armlock, right out of Melbourne. This is their track, Power of a Waterfall, featuring Nearly Oratory. Keep it locked. You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5. This week, we heard that a bunch of people in Canberra received the Pfizer vaccine, despite not actually being eligible to get it. And Olympians are currently prioritised to get the vax too. We're joined now by Backchat producer Eamon Snow to break down the ethics surrounding this rollout. Thanks for joining us, Eamon. Good morning. Good morning. So can you tell us a little bit what's happening right now with the vaccine? Yeah, it's, it's in, in the latest development of Australia's uh, funky rollout of the vaccine. <laughs> We've had this whole storm this week with uh, that text that you mentioned being sent out and a bunch of people who were ineligible to get the vax getting it. We've also got this debate around Olympians receiving the vaccine ahead of vulnerable Australians. And there was one particular story about an ABC journal who tweeted about getting the vaccine early and then got a storm in response to it. So it's raised some pretty interesting questions. Yeah, she did tweet about uh, getting the vaccine, she said at least 25 people failed to show up for their appointments in Canberra. I'm not A1 or AB, so I'm grateful and can confirm the booking and vaccine went well. And people are kind of have been calling her out a little bit about this and being like, oh, well, you know, you're not eligible. You know you're not eligible. Why would you go get it? What do you guys think about this story that even knowing they weren't eligible, they found a loophole and went and got it? Yeah, I don't know if we, if like, do we blame the individual for exploiting the loophole? Do we blame the loophole for being there in the first place? But it does feel like you definitely could have, you know, dosed that out to people who needed it more, you know, provided it was safe to do so. Um, but I was also like, why would you tweet about it, too? Yeah, yeah. everyone's calling bullshit on that as well. Mm. <laughs> everyone's yeah. like, no, nah, that's not it. Like, to call up the day before, people aren't going to say, like, I'm not turning up to my appointment tomorrow. Yeah. Well, health authorities were saying that the vaccine doesn't go to waste. So I think people were under the impression that, okay, 25 people didn't show up. That means the vaccine's gone to waste. No, it actually, there's a possibility it could have gone to someone that actually needed it. Yeah. 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 And especially given that we know there are a lot of people um, like out in regional communities and areas where it might be harder to distribute the vaccine that would love it and need to get it. But I mean, does it also point to be questions about the distribution too? Why were so many mm. being sent here and there's shortages out there? And then there's all these extras there that people are jumping on too. Yeah. And with the Olympics happening, what do you think about Olympians getting it early? 
I, I feel like I'm, I'm sympathetic towards Olympians, I guess, because they work very, very hard and it's like the pinnacle of their career to get to there. So uh, I don't know. It's a bit of a tricky one, especially, you know, I can't speak from someone who might be more vulnerable. But I honestly, I think if you, I might be like an outlier with my opinion here, but I think if you're traveling for your work and it's your livelihood, you should receive the vaccine, especially if you're going to like countries like Japan that's experiencing yet another wave. It, I think it's quite reasonable. Like even if it's a doctor, like a journo that's traveling, or in this case, athletes, I think it is reasonable. Yeah, I think a lot of people are forgetting there's a lot of money in this as well. So, you know, I was talking about F1 before and how they still travel during the pandemic to all these different countries and it's safe for them to just get the vaccine. There's a lot of money in, involved right now. And if our rollout goes smoothly um, over the next few months, hopefully, um, then everyone should be getting it. Um, but that is all we have time for on the show today. Thanks so much, Eamon, for joining us. Um, a massive thank you to our producers, Charles Rushforth, Justina Buster and Millie Roberts. Uh, before we go, we wanted to let you know that there's still a win there's still a possibility that you can win a staycation at the beautiful Paramount, Paramount Hotel, plus a bunch of other neat prizes by signing up or renewing your FBI sponsorship this week. Hit up fbiradio.com for more info. This has been Backchat, your go-to wrap-up for news and current affairs. You can catch us next week at 9.30. Limbs Akimbo is up next and Jackson is back, so keep it locked on FBI. We'll leave you with a song. This one's a request on our text line from Marin in Dully Hill, who wants a jam for her big move this weekend. I love this song. It's Ari Lennox with New Apartment on FBI Radio 94.5. Language warning.